Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So before we get into today's episode, we have a a little announcement that we want to get out of the way. So Lucas, what are we wanting to tell our lovely, wonderful beautiful listeners. I don't, I don't know. All those great adjectives. What do we want to say? Yeah, all of them. Um, so if, if you are a wonderful, lovely, beautiful listener, you probably are aware, at least vaguely, that we release episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays, typically. Um, and if you are a very astute, lovely, beautiful, wonderful listener, you may have noticed that over the last month or so maybe a couple months uh definitely in the last, in, in november i think it's where it really started to hit the fan um we have been having a little bit of trouble <laughs> keeping up with that schedule in the way that we wanted to or in the way that we used to be able to um this you know sort of the moving into the fall semester time frame both of our lives just got a little bit more hectic a little bit more busy unexpected things also just sort of normal schedule things just picking up in terms of work and school and stuff like that um and so you know we we posted a bunch of throwback episodes we did a couple episodes that um were fresh but maybe weren't quite as uh, long as they could have been or would have been at a different time um and we were talking about it and i i well i don't think we think it makes the most sense for now you know, kind of open-ended in terms of whether or not we'll stay with this, that we're basically going to put our Friday episodes on pause. So we're going to go to, you know, go back to, if you've been around for a really long time, (laughs) (laughs) um, probably for most of you not, you know, this will be the first time you will be around for um, one episode per week. And that's going to be our normal Tuesday episode. So, so, you know, the, the longer, more sort of broader theological or um, biblical theme and topic that we'll talk about, as well as the same schedule releasing on Tuesday. And hopefully, you know, this isn't just us trying to, like, give ourselves less to do. Um, Really, we've both felt this in the last few uh, weeks, especially, um, but but for a while, I think it's safe to say we've both felt this. Having only one episode to prepare for is going to give us a better ability to to prepare for that episode in a way that does the topic justice, that really, I think, we'll be able to engage on a deeper level week to week. And then also, it'll free up the schedule a little bit, a little, you know, behind the scenes type stuff, uh, which will help us to be able to get ahead which will also help us to be able to do more things like interviews and stuff when we just have more times in our schedule in terms of podcast uh, recording to, you know, not have to worry about recording, you know, four episodes or something in order to prepare for Christmas or not having to work around recording two episodes a week and a third person schedule, you know, like there's a lot of variables that get cut down. So it's, you know, Maybe not the most exciting news to be saying that we're going to be releasing less episodes. However, I think that in the long run, it's going to be good for the podcast. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, well, of course, like everything, whenever we make any kind of shift or change or announcement, 
Um, this is all just sort of for now, you know? Um, we're always open to feedback and life changes. Things change. Seasons change. So um, I don't think either of us are picturing that we'll never release another Friday episode or never release another Christians of History or whatever. But I think definitely for now, this will be an improvement for us on sort of the logistical side that will lead to, I think, an improvement in the actual um, uh, episodes that we are able to release on Tuesdays as well. So I think with all that out of the way, our little um, commercial, so to speak, um, I'm going to kick it over to you, Jens. What are we talking about today? Well, I mean, everybody knows what we're talking about today, but what are we talking about today? Give us, you know, start us off with maybe some definitions or maybe some like key, you know, questions that we can start with. Yeah. So as you've probably determined by now, uh, by the title and maybe even by the definition or the description, I should say, of the of the episode, uh, we're talking about providence. And I think, if I remember correctly, this is like one of the first like episode ideas that we wrote down and we were just sort of like, oh, we'll get to it someday. Well, today is that day where we're finally getting to talk about providence. And at least personally for me, this has been something that I've, I've thought about quite a bit. It's been something that I've, I've read quite a bit about as well. Uh, I'm thinking about books like uh, The Mystery of Providence by John Flavel. I know that's like a Puritan paperback. You can get it from Banner of Truth. Um, I actually, in preparation for this episode, I realized that I must have given away my paperback copy that had all my markups because if you remember last year, they released that like blue cloth bound hardcover like best of the Puritan paperbacks like in a, a hardcover form and so I think at some point I must have given up my 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 soft cover one which is a bummer so I couldn't uh, go back and just sort of flip through and see what things I really liked and, and picked them out but uh, that was a book that I read pretty early um, in my time as a youth pastor actually and it, and it just captivated my mind captivated my heart um, sort of thinking about these deep and mysterious even things and 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 i think providence somewhat falls into that category Um, so if we're going to give a very basic definition uh, one might give this one the providence of god is the working of god's sovereignty to continually uphold guide and care for his creation so that's a super basic I, i i think definition maybe some of those words even need definitions in themselves. What does sovereignty mean? What does it mean to uphold or guide or care for creation? Um, Well, to go a little bit deeper, uh, Paul Helm writes that God's providence is the working of his power to uphold, guide, and care for his creation. Some theologians have described this as a, a, a continual creation, as opposed to notions that God created the world and then just stepped back from it. The providence of God leaves no room for chance or competition between God and another power. God, as the primary cause, causes everything, but this does not remove the ability of creatures to cause or act. Rather, God grants to all creatures their power to act as causes in the world. The providence of God is different than predestination in that the latter focuses particularly on the salvation of the elect or of you know, God's chosen people, um, while providence is more general. We cannot know all the particularities of God's providential plan. Only God knows how all things will eventually work together. Finally, Christian prayers should be expressions of the aspirations of Christ's followers made in the uh, the presence of God rather than lists of requests. 
probably could have like excluded that little caveat. I think that was probably, he was probably going somewhere with that, that I did not go any further. But um, I think I felt like that was a, a decent summation of providence, obviously over Christian history, when you think about creeds and confessions and uh, just different theological works, there are many different ways that we've talked about providence, but at its core, I think I like the idea that God is continually upholding, guiding, and caring for his world and, and all that is within it, and even outside of it. If we're going to talk about galaxies and uh, planets and moons and, and other suns and such, it's, it's really, I mean, it's his care over all of his creation, not just that which is on this earth. I think that was a really good summation as well, and I, I like what he says, um, God is the primary cause that he causes everything and he gives um, the creatures that he is the cause of uh, their power to be sort of what we would call maybe secondary causes. Um, and I, the reason I like that is, is, is it's it's reminiscent of um, Thomistic language that I really wanted. This, this is uh, kind of where I went in my sort of uh, thoughts and uh, research and prep for this episode. Um, so I'm, I have a few quotes that I wrote down from from the Summa Theologica, um, and I'll start with with this is from the the answer to the first article of the twenty second question of the first part, uh, for those following at home in their Summa. Um, you can also find it online on for free the whole thing and New Advent, which is what I did. Um, uh, but if Santa Claus is listening, um, the Summa. I believe is on my Christmas list. Maybe I didn't put it on my Christmas list, but you know, um, you can get it for me if you want. Um, just DM me on Twitter and I'll send you my address. So um, the he he's kind of giving a, a bit of a of a definition of providence. It's a little more you know labyrinthine prose than than Paul Helms, but um, the what he, what he kind of to 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 boil it down, he says that the type of things ordered towards an end now not type as in kinds but type as in like type and anti-type like the 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 type uh points forward to the anti-type we think of this in terms of like uh you know types of christ like the story of isaac being bound for sacrifice isaac is acting as a type of christ so thomas is talking about the 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 type of things being ordered towards an end is in the mind of God. They, that that type exists in God's mind. And he says that is, properly speaking, providence. So providence is sort of this, this ordering of everything, but not, not the ordering of everything in it being worked out, but, but go, even going a step before that to sort of like, you know, God as the creator before everything is ordered. It, it's That exists in his mind, right? Him having the you know to kind of speak in like human terms like him having the idea of how everything is going to be ordered toward their proper ends that that is providence in in thomas's way of way of speaking and that's that's maybe a little more abstract sounding or at least more like difficult to to really see the connections to real life maybe um than than some of the other ways of speaking about providence, but I think that it it it's helpful. It, like a lot of what Thomas has to say about topics like this, I I have found it very helpful in a 
because it is so much more broadly philosophical that I think it helps for me address some of the more difficult questions that comes through the ways that I heard things like sovereignty or providence or election, the, these these similar types of, of different ideas and questions and doctrines that come up when we're talking about God being, you know, all powerful. Um, some of the, some of the difficult implications that I found challenging to work through, I found the approach that Thomas offers helps because he, he hones in on this idea that, that the quote you read mentioned too, God being the primary cause, the first cause, you know, the, the famous unmoved mover Mm. of, of, you know, Greek philosophy and stuff. Um, and the reason that I think that that's helpful is to think about God in, in his divine simplicity as he creates everything in, in, you know, his omnipotence, omniscience, you know, these all these characteristics and attributes that we can have of God. He is creating everything and he is setting everything in motion such that he because he is the source of all the motion in the universe, he's the source of all the things that are made in the universe, not just people, not just plants, you know, like you said, other planets, other, you know, solar systems, all that stuff. That's all being started by him in the first place. He has them all, he has caused them to, you know, everything, to do all the things that they're supposed to do. And that includes us. But that's different than the, you know, the classic, you know, objection of like the puppet master. Because it's it's one thing to be holding the strings and making me, you know, say these words into this microphone for this podcast. And it's another thing to have set in motion me as a as a moral, rational being who is then a secondary cause. Again, like Paul Helm talked about in that quote, and again, like um, Thomas talks about a lot, um, because we really do have agency. We really do have responsibility. But that's not to say that we're independent, autonomous uh, agents. And that's sort of the classic... The classic thing when we when we talk about things like Calvinism, Arminianism, mm. when we talk about things like divine sovereignty and omnipotence and human responsibility, mm-hmm. I think that some of those questions for me became a lot less thorny or confusing or difficult to untangle when I stopped thinking in terms of like the all-powerful God making decisions. And, and that's how I understand his sovereign control of everything versus the all-powerful God as the first cause, mm-hmm. right? And that it's, it's difficult to try to grasp, you know, these concepts with human language, especially human language that I don't feel I understand super well. But I feel like these are the best ways I've I've come across speaking about these kinds of topics um which is why I wanted to bring in the summa even if I don't feel totally equipped to to, to fully explain what I what 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 
he's getting at in it. Um, but I think it's it's helpful in any conversation because as limited as our language is, we've mentioned this on the podcast before. It's impossible to get around. You, you need to come up with a way to reckon with human responsibility and divine, um, you could say sovereignty or omnipotence or just providence in general. Um, because God is truly providentially responsible for everything. And human beings are truly, you know, not just rational agents who really have, you know, wills and thoughts and, and desires, but also moral agents who really do make moral decisions. And that comes out, I think, a little bit more clearly in the more philosophical approach of like first cause, secondary cause, that kind of thing, which is not to say instead of any other kind of theological approach as much as it's something that I have found really clarifying. So I wanted to make sure to highlight in my own sort of um, research for this episode. Yeah. So I don't know if that, if that kind of, you know, if you feel like that kind of adds to what you were saying or goes a different way or no, if you've got so. an objection or, you know, whatever you're thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking that this, this is a very mysterious topic. It's one that I think we as humans with, finite understandings do have a hard time inherently understanding and i'm pretty convinced that we never fully will understand providence because we cannot see the beginning from the end we can't see well really any of it we sort of just see what's happening now and then we have the lived memory of experience not knowing what's to come Um, as best as we can guess as best as we can plan you don't know what's going to happen if you got in your car right now and drove to the grocery store. You could think it'd be a simple drive with no problems, but much like myself last week, you could get a flat tire. Uh, you could get hit by a drunk driver. You could have to slam on your brakes because a puppy run, runs out in front of you, and now you have this dog, and you're trying to determine, like, whose is this? What do I do with it? Like, any number of things can happen outside of what we p- plan and prepare for. Um, and so I, I looked up what providence means like as far as um like what it derives from so it derives from a latin root meaning to see beforehand um and apparently not in a passive sense of you know mere foresight or observation but in an active sense of making all necessary arrangements for the accomplishment of one's purposes um, so that, that's a that's a pretty interesting way to think of providence, and especially when you think about human understanding, human planning. We we can't do that. We can't make all necessary arrangements for the accomplishment of our purposes. I can plan like what I think is going to be the best party. I can get all the good drinks, all the good food, all the right people, all the good gifts, uh, but things can still go wrong. The party can be a dud. Uh, you know, the the birthday guest could be disappointed. Um, so that's that's a really helpful way, I think, of, of talking about providence. Uh, now, another thing I wanted to do here uh, was to plug Parousia. If you guys were around this time last year, maybe a little bit over a year ago, you'll know that we did an interview with these guys. Um, I think it was John, William, and Daniel. Uh, they had this Kickstarter where they were wanting to produce a 1689 in a beautiful hardcover edition for, for modern readers. And so um, they have finally released it it finally hit ground here in america i'm holding it in my hand you can hear the pages kind of crinkling here as i open the book Um, but chapter 5 of the 1689 which is titled of divine providence says 
God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, doth uphold, direct, depose, and govern all creatures and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence, to the end for which they were created, according unto his infallible foreknowledge, in the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy." Um, so that's a really concise way, I think, to speak of providence. And it goes deeper. It has footnotes. And you can think of, I just closed it. I don't know why. I was literally going to read some of those footnotes. Let me just get back to page 31. Um, so like Hebrews 1.3, which says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had in himself purged of sins, uh, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Um, so that's, you know, a passage talking about Christ who is upholding all things by the, the power of his word at this very moment. Um, that's providence. Um, another one is Isaiah 46.10, which says, Declaring the beginning from the end and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Knowing things from the beginning of the end, knowing the ancient things and the things not yet done. Um, or one can think of a book like Esther. If you guys are familiar with the Old Testament book, uh, Esther is the only biblical book. Um, if you want to know more about the Bible, go check out our recent Friday episode, What is the Bible? Uh, but the, the, the book of Esther is the only book that does not explicitly mention the name of God. You don't see Yahweh or Jehovah. Um, you don't see the Lord, any of that. So from, from all outward appearances, as one reads the book, it seems as though God is silent. It seems as though he's missing. It seems as though he's not working and acting in the world. But if you know the story of Esther, you know that that is very much not the case. Uh, I think like the familiar refrain that most people probably know from Esther is like, um, you know, perhaps I'm, I, this is a terrible paraphrase. I apologize. But basically like, perhaps I'm here for such a time as this. Um, like Esther was in the position that she was in, even if it was an awful situation, even if the things that put her there were uh, wicked and heinous, uh, she was in that position at, at that time for a reason, for a purpose to, to save the, you know, the people of God um, from being destroyed, from being killed. And, you know, this, this could be a very, very long conversation. This could, we could try to plumb some of the depths here. I mean, I, I, I referenced um, reading books on Providence. John Piper literally wrote an 800 page book on Providence. So if you want like, just like a deep dive into the topic, go there. Um, but, you know, when, when you start talking about Providence, when you start talking about his control, his sovereignty, his rule, um, naturally you come to questions of like, well, what about like sin? What about like suffering? What about, you know, human trafficking and, and, and school shootings and murder and rape and just these like horrible things that happen in the world? Uh, how can we say that God knew those things were going to happen and, and let them happen? And so that's where Paul Helm described as God is the primary cause and he causes everything, uh, but he doesn't remove our ability to act. In some sense, we as humans have an ability to act out our own our own wills, our own desires, even if those are distorted, even if those are wicked, even if those are sinful. However, so mysteriously, what's what's crazy about it is that sometimes those things, no matter, I mean, I'm not excusing sin. I'm not saying go out and sin because perhaps good things will come. But 
just like in the story of Joseph, for example. Joseph is sold, uh, basically like left for dead, uh, sold into slavery by his brothers because they are jealous of him. And you sort of think, well, this is the end because Joseph finds himself in prison. He's in the pit. Uh, he thinks for a brief moment he's going to get out. He doesn't get out. When he finally gets out, he's put into a position basically like second in command over all of Egypt. And when the famine comes... He's the one that's like in charge of all the grain and all the food. And he ensures the survival of many people, including the very family that sold him into slavery. And if that's not a story about like, you know, what you humans intended for evil, God uses for good. Um, and I, you know, I, I know that can be thrown out as a band-aid. I know that can be thrown out to justify any number of wicked and heinous sins. And I, that is not my intention uh, but what we have to reckon with is the reality that in a world with sin, in a world with wickedness, where humans do things that are just absolutely evil, there is a sense in which even those things can can be turned and, and, and in some way, maybe we don't even understand in this world. Maybe we'll never understand. Um, but in some way, we, we will, maybe we'll reap an eternal reward. Maybe it's something of... Um, you know, we came to understand God's grace in a new way, whatever it might be, um, God can use even the most wicked things for eternal and eventual good. Um, and that I, I feel like so uncomfortable saying some of those things, not because I don't think it's true, but like I'm thinking of people who have like really been hurt, who have really been um, neglected and sinned against and abused. And I don't want you to get the impression that like, oh, you just need to like go on, forget about it or try to put on a happy face. Um, because I don't think Christ would even necessarily say those things to you. Um, he's he's near to us. He's 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 the gentle and lowly Savior who who meets us in in those places. Who has been in those places himself, um, and and promises to walk with us even through the darkest valleys, even through the shadow, you know, the the valley of shadow of death, um, where we you know ought not fear any evil. But I don't know. Is there anything that you want to say here? I feel like I've been rambling for a bit. No, no. That's great. And, and more than that, he's the judge. He's the good judge, the righteous judge who will judge with equity in the nations. And I mean, just if, if you know, if you want a reminder that God doesn't uh, isn't OK with sin for some, you know, greater good, quote unquote, uh, just read the Psalms. <laughs> um, but um, along those same lines, this is, I think, also why it's really, you know, especially for for people who have who have, you know, spent a lot of time in church. Uh, who have gone to Bible college, who are kind of, you know, theology nerds, Bible nerds, the, I, I, the sorts of people I imagine are interested in listening to us talk about anything. Um, it, it might seem really obvious, kind of cliche or, or, you know, kind of like redundant to say, oh, when we say God's sovereign and all powerful, we're not talking about a puppet master. And, and I think that thankfully, I know for, for sort of the circles that I run in, it, it is pretty redundant to, to like say it that way because I, nobody that I know or come across in real life, like really truly actually believes that God's just a puppet master and we're all sort of robots or puppets and, and, you know, just, just following his commands, um, which is great because it's true. But the reason it's so important that I think it's worth saying it in a conversation, you know, in a context like this, in this conversation, even if it is somewhat redundant, is because you you can't really make sense of, you know, passages where God is, is so uh, judgmental towards sin and 
promises justice and reconciliation and and true fair uh, 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 judgment against those who who oppress the poor or who um, you know have conquered Israel or you know all the myriad examples we can think of. You can't really make sense of that if you think that he's puppet mastering all of those sinful things, right? And which is why you need to have some understanding of divine providence, which is very obviously, not just logically, you know, if you're talking about a God who is all powerful, it's a very logical conclusion that you would have some version of what we call, you know, sovereignty or providence, but also um, is very, I think, scripturally clear uh, that God does. And, you know, I, I think of Habakkuk and he tells Habakkuk, you wouldn't, un- you know, I'm doing a thing that you wouldn't even understand if I told you. And he's talking about somehow <laughs> causing the invasion of the Chaldeans to conquer his people, right? And I mean, I won't try and think of other examples, but like even to just hone in on that one example. Okay, so there's there there's some... Uh, version or or teaching of divine providence here and also those pagans are judged and conquered for their sin of destroying israel and and sending israel into exile and that's not because god's schizophrenic it's not because he's a hypocrite it's not because he's unfair um but there's there is a there is a um, mysterious interaction between God being, like we've said a few times so far, the, the the first cause or the primary cause of human secondary causes. But those secondary causes that humans are, are he, humans causing things in a secondary manner is not to is not to to diminish the fact that they are causing them. Right? Like when I do something. When I exert some force, you know, make some moral decision, I'm truly doing that thing. I am, I am, I am causing whatever result comes. But that's not to say that I am, you know, <laughs> divinely powerful and and able to cause things out of nothing <laughs> or whatever. Um, but this is, I think, how we have to hold both responsibility and true agency of finite created beings with the divine providence of the all-powerful creator god right and i think that on a on a somewhat superficial level we we could pick out all kinds of of textual examples through through stories and and statements in scripture and just make a list that would very clearly make the case, you know, regardless of what you think about it or how you make it fit together, that God is divinely providential and human beings are responsible for their actions. And um, that's fine and good. And then I think we can go a step further and we can start talking about things like secondary causes and primary causes. We can start talking about how is God exercise how does god exercise his providence and how do we exercise our own uh reason that he's given us and our own ability to make decisions um both small little ones and also you know more important ones and moral ones um 
And that's where you end up with uh, a sinful world. It's not a world that was abandoned by God, and it's not a world suffering under an evil God who's, you know, exerting this sin on the world. It's a world that exists, that is populated by creatures who are rational and moral agents made in God's image, uh, created by a God who is all-powerful and holds the whole world in his hands, so to speak, you know? Um, I feel at this point I'm probably repeating myself or at least repeating, or, you know, repeating things that we've both said so far. Um, but I just think it's, 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 it's hard for me not to start running in circles with this conversation, I think partially because of hmm. how difficult it is to grasp. But then also I just, I feel like I constantly have to balance myself from talking in a way that turns God into a puppet master or talking in a way that turns him into some, you know, weak little <laughs> semi God right, who has right. no real power over, over his creation. So I don't know. I, I, I just think it's important to do our best to hold on to both sides of that, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm reminded, if we're just going to give like other examples and stories and such, but I'm, I'm reminded something that, uh, I'm reminded about something that Jonathan Edwards uh, actually wrote to his daughter. So after the passing of, I believe her name was Elizabeth Edwards, but who, Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards' wife, when she passed away, uh, Jonathan wrote a letter to his daughter and you you have to imagine when when a when a child who is who I believe was pregnant has just lost her mother um, that's a significant thing that's a difficult loss and Jonathan Edwards wrote a very heartfelt loving compassionate letter um, in which he basically said you know we are we are always in God's hands um, you know even in these days of uncertainty even even in surprise you know, passings away of, of, of loved ones. Uh, we are, we are always in God's care. We are always in his hands. He is always near. Um, so that's like an example of, of sort of providence and action, you know, despite the things that happen in the world, we at every single moment are being upheld by the word of Christ, by his power, um, by his sovereignty. And, um, I don't know, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the, the things that at least at, at different points in my life I've, I've, I've come to rest in is the fact that I am always in God's hands. And if you want to maybe put some of this into perspective, I believe it was maybe John Piper or maybe somebody else. I feel bad that I've said John Piper's name twice on this episode, but um, basically think about it this way. What are there like some eight or nine billion people on the planet? I don't, whatever, whatever the human population is on, on this world. Um, at any given moment, we could just say that there are that many things going on. There are 8 billion people doing 8 billion things, whether they're sleeping, whether they're eating, whether they're driving, whether they're going to work, whatever you want to think of people doing, those people are doing those things and tangentially related in an infinite number of webs like those 8 billion people are interconnected with other people who are doing different things, who are interacting in different ways, who are, you know, maneuvering through traffic, who are 
maybe going out into the woods and coming across a deer or a bobcat or a bear and uh, you know the waterfall is cascading down the side of this mountain and the fish are swimming and jumping and the bear catches a fish in its mouth what i'm trying to say is like there are an infinitely it just seems infinite it's probably there probably is a number but trillions of things let's just say trillions of things happening in this world on this planet and we're just talking about this planet at this very moment and like think of like the power and the the wisdom uh the infinite knowledge of the god who simultaneously knows all of those things and governs all of those things and upholds all of those things like that is just sort of i mean talk about a mysterious and mind-bending thought that there is a god so grand so big that he can do those things and then that's not even to talk about whatever the heck is happening out on other planets like neptune and venus and jupiter and saturn um but on our planet alone, think of the deepest depths of the oceans that we've never even been able to investigate, the, the things that are happening there. Um, think of, you know, volcanoes and deep parts of jungles that we've never been able to get to or, or whatever it might be. All I'm trying to say is there are, are a billion things happening at this very moment. And maybe you want to bring it closer to home. There are probably tens of thousands of things happening to you and in your life, and you're maybe aware of like six of them, like the ways in which like, you know, the job that you have, the people that you interact with, the the people that you're living with or the person you're married to, the kids that you have. Um, like when you think about all the different ways in which you are impacted by them and you also impact them um, and just the, the constant way in which this world is, is you know, moving forward at a rate that we can't keep up with um, and god knows it all and upholds it all and in the end in the end he he will be glorified he will be honored and uh, you know his people will sing his praises forevermore um, and i think maybe the the most fitting way to end this before you end with a word of prayer i just wanted to read this excerpt from herman bovink uh, this is the wonderful works of god um, westminster seminary press published it a couple years ago um what is XI? Is that 11? I'm so bad with Roman numerals. Um, yeah. So chapter 11 is called Creation in Providence. It's, it's interesting. Every book that I consulted had like some other thing in Providence. So like God's works in Providence, creation in Providence. Uh, but uh, he says the practical significance of the doctrine of the Trinity for the life of the Christian is evidence enough that the Holy Scripture does not want to give us an, ab uh, an abstract concept of deity but rather wants to put us into contact, all of us personally, with the living and true God. Scripture breaks off our notions and concepts and lead us, leads us back to God himself. Hence, Scripture does not argue about God, but presents him to us and shows him in all the works of his hand. Lift up your eyes and behold, Scripture seems to say, who has made all these things. From the very beginning, his invisible things, his eternal power and Godhead are thoughtfully discerned from his creatures the things that were made. We, not, we, do not learn to, we do not learn to know and to glorify God in independence from his works, but rather in and through his works in nature and in grace. I thought that was a really, really uh, a poignant paragraph to begin a chapter on providence. So 
Yeah, there could have <laughs> yeah. been, you know, just like I mentioned, a billion things going on in this world. There are probably like a thousand different ways that we could have done this episode. Perhaps you're walking away with more questions than answers. Maybe you're more confused. Uh, maybe you wanted us to mention some other passage or some other problem of providence. But I think at the, at the end of the day, we can we can safely say that in God's providence, we delivered the very episode that we were intended to deliver. And we didn't deviate from his plan. So, I mean, deal you with got a problem. it, guys. You got to take right? it up take it up with the big man it's not yeah the guy upstairs you know call him up <laughs> yeah so to conclude uh in in prayer we're going to pray a prayer from the valley of vision titled the mover O supreme moving cause may i always be subordinate to thee be dependent upon thee be found in the path where thou dost walk and where thy spirit moves take heed of estrangement from thee of becoming insensible to thy love Thou dost not move men like stones, but dost endue them with life, not to enable them to move without thee, but in submission to thee, the first mover. Lord, I am astonished at the difference between my receivings and my deservings, between the state I am now in and my past gracelessness, between the heaven I am bound for and the hell I merit. Who made me to differ but thee? For I was no more ready to receive Christ than were others. I could not have begun to love thee hadst thou not first loved me, or been willing to or been willing unless thou hadst first made me so. Oh, that such a crown should fit the head of such a sinner, such high advancement be for an unfruitful person, such joys for so vile a rebel. Infinite wisdom cast the design of salvation into the mold of purchase and freedom. Let wrath deserved be written on the door of hell, but the free gift of grace on the gate of heaven. I know that my sufferings are the result of my sinning, but in heaven both shall cease. Grant me to attain this haven and be done with sailing, and may the gales of thy mercy blow me safely into harbor. Let thy love draw me nearer to myself, to thyself. Wean me from sin, mortify me to this world, and make me ready for my departure hence. Secure me by thy grace as I sail across the stormy sea. Amen. Amen. Dude, that was a good one. I love the Valley of Vision. It, it is a good one. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, uh, it's pretty good. If you don't have this, you should, uh, you should buy it. <laughs> it's uh, pretty good. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for, uh, I can't think of a Providence pun or joke, so I'm just <laughs> going to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter at Doxology Podcast. You can always reach us by email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback, questions, episode ideas, um, especially you know feedback on this shift to sort of less, but hopefully deeper content and by deeper i just mean better more polish better prep more um focused um we'd love to hear from you we we are excited to continue to hear from you uh via the wonderful power of the evil technology that we know as the internet um and yeah i think that about does it thank you once again thank you always and always and uh we will catch you next time